It is time to tune up the band and uh, we'll fix it in post for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam alongside Dan and Reardon as we continue our journey for the wacky world of professional wrestling. Joining us this week, oh, it gives me great, gives me just such a joy and a great pleasure to say that we are joined by the genius behind Deadlock's video editing's <laughs> video editing and some of my favorite videos on youtube including the retro sinks it's david hello david hello how's it going guys (laughs) this is surreal for me because it's been well known myself and dan um i feel from osmosis reardon as well that we've like we make so many deadlock references on like outside and on the podcast now to have someone that's kind of directly involved within deadlock it's like um it's 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 It's, pretty surreal it's called the natural (laughs) progression of things okay (laughs) <laughs> oh, God. Uh, one... long-term storytelling i think that's what they call it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, i'm one ski well away from losing my mind i'll tell you that <laughs> you damn right <laughs> <laughs> so to those who are kind of like uninitiated or those who haven't listened to uh or haven't seen deadlock tell us um who you are david and what exactly that it is that you do with uh with the boys over at deadlock right so um I am a video editor for the Deadlock Pro Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I started off just doing like YouTube videos where I would pretty much take some funny bits from their podcast where they're doing like retro reviews of like old wrestling episodes. And I would pair that up with like, I would sync it up, if you will, to the actual footage of the show. And one of my most popular videos that um, I think that's what really got me a job with Deadlock was the Kurt Angle and Booker T video where <laughs> Kurt says he wants to have bestiality sex with uh, Booker T's wife. And um, <laughs> it's a crazy video, crazy story that they were going for at the time. Um, but yeah, so I was checking the other day and that video just passed 100,000 views, which oh. is still so wild to me. Um, so after that, like, I just started, like, making more videos just for fun, um, like, of other, like, moments that they've covered on Deadlock. Like, mm-hmm. there was Stone Cold kidnapping Scott Hall. <laughs> there was Kane setting Jim Ross on fire. What about personal uh, favorites? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Kane. Fuck you. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so um, because of videos like that, um, the boys at Deadlock reached out to me and said, um, would you like a job? <laughs> and so pretty much what I do for them now is um, for their Patreon, they have this series called Retro Sinks, where pretty much I'm going back to all their retro reviews they've done over the past couple of years and just making full length edits of their reviews because before like the videos i would make would be like maybe like five to ten minutes long these ones are that i'm doing for the patreon are like up to like an hour long they're starting to get like a lot longer Mm -hmm. and uh i think i'm on like my 32nd or my 33rd video for them now for the patreon yeah uh current episode i'm working on right now is the 2003 rock concerts oh Um, And after that, I'm working on the infamous Scott Steiner shoot promo. 
<laughs> with the the purple warrior yeah. one, yes. if you will. Oh, <laughs> uh, thing. <laughs> I was very pleased and very upset to see not only that I think one of my fa- personal favorites and what prob- probably could have beaten the Kurt Angle one, the Vince McMahon limo one with Jesse Ventura completely. <laughs> <laughs> completely surprising him by making sure that he fulfilled his duty that unfortunately got taken down yeah so yeah, uh like spe- a recurring thing now yeah that it, it it's weird that it said that it was manually taken down so i'm sure that maybe somebody at wwe went out of their way to watch this video and they said um, uh, I don't like this video. Uh, take this down. Uh. I'm pretty sure that I think someone is still a little bit butt hurt that Paul London couldn't stop smiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he was the one that planted the bomb in that limo. I'm exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or Jesse Ventura, depending on who you talk to, Johnny, Pulse, and Tony. <laughs> Vince, you still need to enlist. <laughs> No, that was honestly to goodness. If anyone uh, did get a chance to see that, that one was, oh, I mean, you didn't really have to do much to go crazy with that edit. I think they just gave you the opportunity to go crazy with it. Like <laughs> I saw, I saw what I had to work with, and I was like, okay, I have ideas for this that could be really good. Um, yeah, I think it was like the same week that they put out the the review for that episode. I was like, I really want to make an edit for this. I'm going to do this just for fun. <laughs> I had a lot of fun putting that together, too. And then like literally three days later, YouTube took it down and I'm going to work on trying to get it back up. Um, I might have to like mess with the footage some more and try to mm-hmm. uh, mess with YouTube's like copyright detection thing. Or maybe I'll just put it up on Patreon for free or something. I'll figure it out. Hey, look forward to seeing it if it ever comes out into the public ether once more. Um, but no, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on, David. Thank you, thank you for, thank you for just accepting the weird DM that I sent you the other day. <laughs> it's I'm, it's really, I'm really happy to be here. Like, thank you again for inviting me. <laughs> ah, stop, stop it. Anyway, we give you this podcast. Thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. Guys, Sam and I are going to be doing this job forever. It's unfortunate. But (laughs) while we're doing that, (laughs) we will be pending because we always always must be pending and we always will be dear god what is my life (laughs) (laughs) that's always the case with editing always is the case anyhow before we get onto this really kind of interesting episode that i kind of did on the fly talking about the post-production history of wwf slash e it is time to visit dan for this week's wrestling news dun 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 down Wrestling news. Smooth. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> like butter. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think we'll start off with uh, Ring of Honor Final Battle, because that's happening. That is indeed a, a pay-per-view that is happening. Um, I have seen the full card, and while I don't necessarily think it's as bad as everyone says it is, it's certainly confusing. 
It certainly does feel like uh, there's a part of me that goes, wait, this is Ring of Honor? Are you sure this is Ring of Honor? <laughs> because, like, there's, there's some there's some cool stuff in here, right? Like, obviously, we'll go f- uh, to give you a full rundown um, on the pre-show. Things like uh, the Kingdom slash OGK because they keep flip-flopping between which one they want to use <laughs> versus, versus Top Flight. You know, good. Mm-hmm. Willow Nightingale versus Trisha Dora. Awesome. Yes. Great great matches like, uh, to prepare people and get people ready, especially for like ROH style. Then <laughs> Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Angelo versus the Shinobi Shadow Squad. <laughs> What, you mean to tell me that you don't want to see Cheeseburger at Final Battle Day? No, like, I do, but, like, <laughs> I I had no idea this was happening. And yet... Part of me wants to... Oh, sorry. Um, oh, good part of me wants to say... Oh, okay. Um, part of me wants to think that maybe this was card was kind of put together last minute, like maybe the week of... Because yes. I didn't know anything else that was really going on on this card besides mm. Jericho and Castanoli. Uh, I think they barely announced the FTR tag match with the Briscoes. Yeah, they made and... the they made the guns announce before, it before before <laughs> this week. I knew that there were four. I knew of four matches, <laughs> and they were the only four matches I could find listed anywhere. For the final basketball card, which were Chris Jericho versus Claudio Castagnoli, FTR versus the Briscoes, um, Martinez versus Athena, mm-hmm. and Garcia Yuso. Yeah, those were the ones. And now we're getting <laughs> Joe versus Juice Robinson for the television championship, which, which surprised is in, me. Which is, again, is also, in fact, a match. <laughs> we've got <laughs> we've got Dalton Castle with the boys versus the Embassy for the uh, six-man tag championship. See, now, here's the thing, right? This is another one of those matches where I am very excited to see Dalton Castle and the boys, <laughs> but I genuinely could not care less about Brian Cage. <laughs> I am sorry for any of Brian Cage fans that are listening right now. All uh, three of them. <laughs> <laughs> the the key word the there was Brian Cage fans. <laughs> where is the lie? <laughs> <laughs> Where is the Philly street fight? In Philly, you big dumb bitch. <laughs> also, may I just add, I just want to add a point that my dear pa- uh, that my dear master IQ said, you can't be you can't go having two dog collar matches in a calendar year, Tony. <laughs> you can't go be having dog collar matches that You, that, that you can't. Times. You can't with that attitude. Yes. <laughs> He saw the Punk and MJF match and said, you know what? Do it again. <laughs> Do it again! <laughs> One more time! religion out of this. Wait, but no. <laughs> also, I didn't realize Swerve and Our Glory are also on this card. Yes, uh, against Shane Taylor Promotions. Goddamn awesome. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm all for this. Also, AR Fox is in the card as well, which I'm very excited he, he, about. He, he is. Uh, in a match with, well, joined by Blake Christian, so, like, I mean, prepare for gravity to be defied. <laughs> um, but in a match against Roosh and Drillistico, and if you don't know who Drillistico is, you might know him as Mystico, and if you don't know who Mystico is, you might know him as formerly Sin Cara. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that, was the, uh, that was the original Sin Cara in 2011. Yes. Uh, the one that would botch a lot and then um 
Hunico took over for a while. And then he threw like a soda can at Chris Jericho on yep. a plane or something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> Which like we I do have to stress, like, he is actually a good wrestler. Like this isn't a meme. <laughs> he is actually a very good wrestler and is like a legend of like CMLL. <laughs> but mm. <laughs> Doesn't but... really matter doesn't really matter much when uh, when a song a parody song gets made of you. <laughs> <laughs> but look, let, let's let's get into the match that uh we've spoken about now that i have found out it exists that i am hyped for which is mascara dorada formerly grand metalik in wwe versus jeff cobb now <laughs> this is going to be one of my favorite archetypes of matches which is luchador versus man who can throw stuff round ring can we just have jeff cobb be like he was in lucha underground for this match like straight up that's basically all i needed <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I go full, go full Lucha Underground to have Dario come out as they, well. Just the hell of they, it. Like when they do the whole like head scissors spot, like I need Dorada to be like going around Jeff Cobb's body like at least nine times. Please, yes. that would be so good. <laughs> we need to we need to make this as excessive as possible. <laughs> I am looking forward to it mostly because I do. Love watching Mascara Dorada. Um, yeah. Criminally underrated from his time in WWE. So it's nice to see him back. It's good to see him in such a great like David versus Goliath match. As I said, make this as lucha underground as possible. I'll be happy. Chaps, what about the main event? What? How do you see that play out? If we're going to make one prediction, how do you think the main event is going to play well, out? The problem I have with this is that obviously it hinges on the thing of either Claudio wins the title back and kind of... Uh, how do I say it? Either way, it kind of just feels like it was all for nothing. Mm. Isn't the stipulation where if Claudio loses, yeah. he has to join um, the JAS? Which yes. then kind of feels like in the grand scheme that the BCC was just kind of a, a vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> just Rather for than that to they try to present it as and then if he wins it then i mean like chris jericho's title run was kind of you know it happened mm -hmm. was it did that did it get you a tv deal tony we shall see well i mean i'm guessing i'm guessing one of the key parts of this is they're gonna be like roh now has a slot on like thursday nights or something Mm. At one a.m. Eastern. Because then you, because then you like, because <laughs> then you, well, no, but like you set up, you could set up the block of like Wednesday, Dynamite, Thursday, Ring of Honor, Friday, Rampage. That makes sense. I'd like to see that. That 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 makes it nice, kind of like rather than spreading them out, give it a three day blocks worth of AEW. Rather than doing say. like the the WWE Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown. <laughs> mm. I mean, like they could just decide to do RH on like a Monday, but then that also has the thing of you know if they do a pay per view, then they're coming into Ring of Honor on them on the next show, mm. kind of technically. <laughs> but they're separate, but they're not, but, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, part of me, this is probably just wishful thinking on my, uh, on my end, but I'm kind of hoping that they would just turn Rampage into, like, a Ring of Honor show, because, like, I don't know, like, maybe make, get some use out of that Friday time slot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what the logistics are for them to, like, 
change everything so they turn Rampage into like Ring of Honor. Uh, but I mean, they've got the viewership for it, kind of. Um, so yeah, it was one of those things that I saw people talking about because like one of them was like turn Rampage into like a they said like late night Rampage and just make it like go a little bit further because it has a slightly different TV slot mm. Mm. or or <clears throat> if you want to like on Friday make like a block so you have like Ring of Honor then Rampage or Ring or Rampage then Ring of Honor afterwards as like two one hour self contained shows oh it's TGIF but for wrestling <laughs> <laughs> You know, like that that kind of thing. I'm not mad at it. It feels like, you know, eventually one of them's gonna end up getting dropped because like you then you're then watching two shows. Mm-hmm. And if they're and if they were still um doing that like after SmackDown airs, that would be four hours of wrestling that theoretically someone would be watching on Friday. Like it would be SmackDown, then Rampage, then Ring of Honor. Like there is the potential of there being like Maybe a bit of burnout from watching so much, like at once. Yeah. Mm. So this was this was this was my thought behind like the the one having it having it on a on like a day where there isn't a show that has like a major TV slot. Mm. If you That's do it true. on like a Thursday, I don't. I, are there any American sports that are well known for Thursdays or something? Not that I know of, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's Monday Night Football. I don't, I don't know if there's, like, if, like, the NHL has, like, an amazing Thursday block or something. <laughs> but, like, just that thing of, like, take a day which is relatively, like, or comparatively low traffic, put a show on that day, mm. and then, boom, you've got, like, a nice little thing. So you can do, like I said, Wednesday Dynamite, Thursday Ring of Honor, Friday Rampage. And then, you know, you could do your Sunday pay-per-view, Saturday or Sunday pay-per-view. I, I mean, feel like that would, that would work. It would. It would. We'll see. Well, we'll see if Tony's got, I guess, the um, the right mind to think like that yeah. when it comes to it. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to, I, I, that is the, the, that is the perfect thing I'd like to see. And maybe, hopefully, once Ring of Honor actually does have that TV time slot, perhaps perhaps maybe rampage might actually seem a lot more um oh, cohesive to watch because right now it kind of does feel like it kind of does feel like there's a lot going on within that what like within rampage that's very hard to follow and there's so many people that kind of like come in and out of rampage so much that i can understand from a casual point of view why people don't watch it as much as dynamite and hell why most people don't watch dark and dark elevation except for me because i'm a glutton for professional wrestling <laughs> well yeah but it's like that thing of like there is a point where it becomes like unwieldy <laughs> to to deal with and like with dark it's just like there's so many people at every point that it's like you know you can't really keep up with it, but also like you have no, unless you're like trying to be like, oh, who's going to be like the next big person? Then yeah, you'll probably watch Dark. True, but <laughs> you know, Dark Dark isn't really carrying much in the way of storylines. I mean, it carried a whole women's storyline for a bit, but mm -hmm. you know, mm. like I don't, I don't think it's going to be the most inconsequential thing if you miss an edition of Dark oh, Elevation. Yeah. <laughs> True. True. So, 
I guess talking of all this AEW news, I guess the news that we got to bring up, which was what we talked a little bit about last week, is that it's all it's been all but confirmed that William Regal has indeed left or he's run his contract has run out and he is going back to WWE. Now, as I said last week, I'm not sad, angry, disappointed. Matter of fact, I'm happy for Regal, if anything, and I love to see Regal doing his thing. Now, the mm. one of the stipulations I've heard, can't confirm if it's 100% true or not, is that Regal is not allowed to be a front-facing um, member of the, ro- of the, of the company, yeah, basically being on he camera. Be, he can't be on tv so he's going to be a more of a behind the scenes coach at the performance center but one of his main reasons for going back is that he wants to see his son uh thrive and help him along the way from a very close view uh view and i can't blame him for that because if you've seen charlie dempsey in nxt really like what they're doing with him basically it's like i'm i'm the son of william regal but i'm also the reincarnation of billy billy robinson Okay, so as confusing as that is for me, that, <laughs> uh, that, um, that William Regal is leaving after doing what he did, <laughs> like storyline-wise, that's just very confusing. <laughs> However, oh, with, with that being said, that's adorable, and I wish him all the best and his son. So, like, yeah, like, like, I can be like storyline that makes no sense, but. You do you, William Regal. Also, you yeah, do that's, you. That's, that's literally it. It's just like, I can't be mad at his reason. Mm. Also, <laughs> I've, like, I've, oh, mm. what, here, you want to go, you want to, you want to go and train your son who's a professional wrestler? Like, what kind of person do you think you are? No, <laughs> that makes no sense at all. But like, you know, it's just, it's just a shame that it feels like things are a little bit unfinished. A li- yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, from what I, oh, sorry. Um, uh, I, from like from what I like that ending with the, the well, of course that promo with MJF. I think if there was one way you were going to write someone off, I think that's probably a really good way of doing it. But at the same time, it did it did feel like it was a bit of a oh is that it? Oh really? Is that it? Huh? Mm. Okay. It kind of leaves you wanting more. Exactly. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like wow, he's not going to even leave without getting a, at least one little bit of comeuppance on MJF. Okay, no, 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 no. That's 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 fine, but a little bit like, huh? Hmm. <laughs> it does. It's true. It does leave you wanting a little more. Um, I think this is a, of course. I think it's going to be a huge benefit. I think for N- NXT because if you ask me, it's been a little bit without Regal there as a talent scout and to help them. It seems like they've been a little all over the place since Regal's departure. <laughs> especially with the next in line initiative that they've had um that they introduced last year it seems like when they got that you mean their strategy of just if we co if we keep bringing in new athletes each year and coach them all exactly the same way something interesting will happen (laughs) exactly i'm hoping with that and with with now with his good friend hunter now in a much more uh prominent position that mentality of hey you know what's not a bad idea hiring wrestlers <laughs> comes back and <laughs> comes back into what much better much better light for the company or at least for the board anyway <laughs> yeah but no it's an interesting time that's for darn sure i mean 
how are well how are how was wwe or nxt gonna look like now in a few months down the line and heck what's aew gonna be like in a few months time is it gonna be i i, I one thing that make that caught my mind is this is gonna make 2024 when mjf's contract come comes up a lot more interesting the bidding war of 2024 <laughs> let's go <laughs> and let's all wait for that to be incredible and then become the most insufferable thing because of social media true <laughs> that is that is for true i will say this though won't be i was gonna say i think for for him I think it'd be a great benefit for MJF if he went to WWE. Now, look, don't come for me or don't, you know, anyone on Twitter who's listening to this, don't come for my head and, you know, say that I'm a mark for stuff. But look, the thing is, you got to realize this in like the industry now is in, I keep saying, is in a much, is in a really, really good position where you're able to say, hey, I can make a living here, but I can also make a living here. Yeah. Like there are genuine options like, Either way, like wherever you go, like it's going to work out pretty well for you. And I feel like that's a smart strategy with the whole like bidding war thing. Cause like it's just going to make either company like, you know, try to give MJF or whoever that wants to go to either one like more money and just probably give them more of a prominent position, I guess. Exactly. I mean, in my mind, I'm really happy that at the very least, Hunter is slow. I say slowly, but four months in, he is. He is terraforming WWE into old school NWA. So I guess I'm happy in that regard. <laughs> He's never let that side of his love for professional wrestling go, really, has he? No. <laughs> but but um, I think things are things are definitely um, turning out a lot better for WWE, in my opinion. I mean, they're I mean, for one, they're acknowledging other wrestling promotions that exist. Instead of just being yes. like, oh, we've never seen this person before. This is their first time wrestling in WWE. But I think, I'm pretty sure like Michael Cole referenced the Bullet Club like word for word, like in a recent, yeah. in like a recent SmackDown or something. So. Yeah, he, and ref also he referenced LA Knight's time in championship wrestling from Hollywood, <laughs> which is really <laughs> weird. I was not expecting that name drop. <laughs> and now they're letting... Isn't Nakamura going to um to Japan like he's, in January? He's doing he's doing um a single match in Noah. <laughs> wow. On the same card as Sting, which is insane to think about. <laughs> so bizarre. What a world we live in. Hey, I can't this... remember I can't remember what the announcement was. Was it the great Muta versus Shinsuke Nakamura? Yes, it was. Yeah, okay. I couldn't remember if they were in a tag team together or if they were actually just having a match. <laughs> in which case, either way, Shinsuke Nakamura versus the Great Muta in 2023, I believe is when it's announced. Yes. Um, That's a is, great is way to start the year. Yes, yes, yeah, you damn right. <laughs> you damn right. <laughs> um, it's no, it's really interesting. I mean, hey, if this is one step closer to getting a super card of WWE and AEW, I'd be for it. Whether ego gets in the way of it, <laughs> spoiler, I it probably will. I can't wait oh. for the WWE AEW crossover super card to come from just like the most random place. <laughs> yeah oh, yeah. oh like, trust it, me like, it will happen it, it, it just happens by virtue of like some revival of like osaka pro <laughs> 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 
Wait a minute, the I... Super Bowl's raining in our territory. Quickly, we must unite! <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like, you know, if you put EO aside, bam, non-factor, I feel like AEW and WWE could potentially do, like, a big, like, super card kind of show. And I feel like it would blow people's minds, uh, not only just on, like, wrestling Twitter, but just, like, I think in general. Because seeing these two big companies coming together and having their wrestlers like face each other that would be very fun to see i mean mm. we had the worlds collide or no not worlds collide but what was door. It? forbidden door yeah we had that i think i was thinking of the wwe worlds collide thing where they <laughs> had like yeah <laughs> nxt 205 live <laughs> nxt uk who watched that <laughs> me unfortunately but you know <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss, Sam. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'm not bitter about it, except for the people they employed. But I digress. <laughs> no, um, it's okay, man. Somebody has to watch it. <laughs> it's it, no, you know, you're right. You're right. And there was a <laughs> it had to be me, unfortunately. But no, I. The, I digress. the side part of this is there's someone that I'm good friends with that actually regularly watch NXT UK. <laughs> If NXT UK has one fan, I'm that fan. If NXT UK has zero fans, I've passed away. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, don't call oh, me out no. like this, David. <laughs> no, I you have competition now. <laughs> I feel with the culture around wrestling and egos, I think once Vince retired, I think that culture has slowly shifted. So I think the potential of your two biggest promotions from America potentially coming together to do something like that isn't out of the ordinary. Could possibly happen. Heck, we've... We, I mean, the Terry Funk Memorial back in the 90s saw WWF and WCW wrestlers in the same arena together. There is a precedent for it. It could so happen. So what you're saying is that some kind of legend of wrestling has to die, and then it might happen. The Dwayne Johnson Memorial. <laughs> I, uh, I was going to go very different, but you know what? Uh, that works. Kevin the Hart Vince versus Vince. Omos. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you shout out to Omos. That's my guy right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Where were we again? We were talking about the news, weren't we? <laughs> Some... You know what? We'll just call it there. We'll call it there. We'll call it on Omos because he, because as everyone knows, Malcolm Bivens is just as He's tall as Omos. Seven foot tall. <laughs> The irresistible right. force meets the immovable object. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> anyway, Reardon, recommendation corner. What have you got for us this week, sir? Guys, how do you feel about the magic of editing? I feel like uh, I am surrounded by literal wizards right now. <laughs> that's that's a, that's the highest compliment I've ever had about my editing. <laughs> Every, because... time, every time Sam comes to me, shows me a video, and it's like, what do you think about this? I don't, I'm not sure if it's that good or not. And I have to look at him and say, you could have given me a thousand years and I would have not figured out a single percent of this. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep, yep. Well, if you want to find out a little bit about how to do, how to get that 1%, I recommend the documentary, The Cutting Edge, The Magic of Movie Editing. This is actually a little bit of a... I have a very soft 
a big soft spot in my heart for this documentary as it was one of the first documentaries I ever watched at university and it actually really helps me get into editing and a lot of the a lot of the tricks and the things they talk about is stuff that I still use to this day mm. you can find it online like everyone has it so take a look take a look at it that is going to be my recommendation and so I feel still... like I might have watched oh god uh, I feel like I'm Okay. Um, I feel like I might have watched this in college, but uh, just in case, I might watch it again. Um, yeah, but thank you for the recommendations. Oh, it, it it is definitely like it's. I imagine there are quite a few people who have been to an editing class who are like he's recommending that that. Yeah. Mother, just just cursing me, but it's a good documentary. Leave me alone. It is. It is all of the things I learned from there, and the years of experience I've had in video editing. And I still, when I still watch uh, one of David's videos, I go, "Wait, how does he do the flappy mouth animation to steal images?" <laughs> it's all through masking in Premiere. <laughs> <laughs> uh by the way, my recommendation: the Pastamania video. <laughs> I Who's cannot... the greatest wrestler in the world? Macho Man! Macho Man. <laughs> Fuck my, you, dude! <laughs> my 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 recommendation while we're here is is the um the deadlock sync about the advertisements just because of the sheer amount of times that the phrase JVC Kaboom Box has entered my vocabulary. <laughs> so oh, they, and uh... lugs! I would never have lugs now. Escape my lexicon. <laughs> it's it's really JVC funny. Kaboom Box. Um, a few months back, um, my partner and I, uh, I think I showed her, um, I showed her that bit about Stacker 2 from, like, the Deadlock <laughs> pod, and we were at the store one day, and she, she looked at, like, some of the drinks, like, somewhere, and she's like, David, look, and it was Stacker 2, <laughs> and I, she, you know, I broke down in tears laughing. <laughs> is that just the, that's the influence of those three, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> God damn the three of them. Even though I love them so so dearly and keep doing deadlock chaps. If if they're listening to this, keep doing it. Love the stuff you do. I wonder if they've ever seen a Joseph Montesley USA. Anyway, uh <laughs> <laughs> James, Johnny, Tony, thank you guys. Love you guys. Also, uh today is the one year anniversary of DPW, so oh, it just gotta is. plug that real quick. <laughs> yes, happy first anniversary to DP Dub. What a, I'm okay. saying before we secondary get on. secondary recommendation while I'm here. Calvin Tankman versus Jay Malachi, DPW Fire, it's fucking ace. All right, that is go. actually genuinely that's oh, genuinely retweet. one of the <laughs> that's genuinely one of my favorite matches of the year. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> awesome okay. match. Anyway, let us get on to the main portion of this episode. The history of post-production in WWF slash E. Now, the way I like usually like to start these things is with a question. And my question to you chaps is this. What was the very first moment or match or kind of vignette or video that you saw whilst watching WWF slash E programming that made you go, hmm, I wonder how they made that? I'll start with our guest, David. Oh, man. So I'm really going to put in this per uh, perspective of, of where I started watching wrestling really quick. <laughs> um, I think around like 2006, 2007 was when I like really got into it. Like my 
I was like exposed to it through like my family, like around 2003, 2004. Mm. But it wasn't until I like around then that's when I really got into it. And I think the what really got me into watching, what really pulled me was um, it was a SmackDown episode. I think it was Rey Mysterio and Chavo Guerrero having their second I Quit match. And there were like a bunch of like ads on TV. Like I think they were like advertising that match. And even like throughout the show too, like they had like these different vignettes of like their history of their rivalry and stuff before this match. And I'm like, this is really cool. Like I'm glad that I'm getting like a bit of history between these two going into this, you know, this big match they're having on this random episode of SmackDown. Mm. And it kind of goes to show that like their WWE's like like editing team, like their video package team, they deserve so much more appreciation for what they do because yeah. they can take like months or even years worth of TV and put it into like a small like video package and like really like get somebody invested in the story that they want to tell. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> uh, Reardon. So strangely enough, the um the thing that really got me thinking about the editing and like the actual production team was dx actually really because Ooh. yeah because funnily enough because like if you actually look at like when you you know you you see a d a, a d a dx entrance yeah at that the time i was watching they probably they've probably done it much more now but at that time they were the only ones whose entrances had like spliced footage in the broadcast mm. yeah like like that's a very that's specific because they would they would always have it so that the the like i always described it as looking like a heartbeat monitor <laughs> yeah they always had that thing that would appear on the screen first and then they would go and do the entrance bit and yeah. it would like yeah. dip in and out between yeah, and it would dip in and out with like you know scenes of riding and like and X's and everything, and I always, I always thought it was I. That's honestly why I love DX as much as I did because that was the best. It was just so cool. <laughs> this, this this whole this this whole like um do not adjust your set and a quick sidebar. Why did Jericho never really do it not properly? Well, they 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 did do the thing. So when they when he was. It was around. Oh, is, is it the two thousand seven? Yeah, I think two thousand seven is is the big was the was when is, they is, the big break the walls down thing, and they would the the screen would flash with like the code bit, and then mm. do his entry. Oh, yeah. Fireworks. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I yeah, only yeah. know this. I only know this vividly <laughs> because um because. It was a feature of his entrance on SmackDown versus Raw, I believe, <laughs> two thousand nine. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yes, yes. Aka the best, the best return Which, of Jericho. Yeah, I agree. Ever released on the Wii. I remember specifically being a feature. Oh yes, oh yeah, that's yeah the only one that was released for Wii. I remember that now. <laughs> Wasn't that the game where you can do like different poses during your entrance? Yes. Yeah. I remember that. And That's the only crazy. SmackDown versus Raw that had thumbtacks, wasn't it? That is, that is, that is, that is true. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Dan. All right. 
Are you ready for me on this? <laughs> oh, gosh. The thing that got me into editing, or, like, appreciating editing, was entrance videos. You know oh, what? Yeah. Just because I thought they were so cool as, like, a kid. I mean... <laughs> I was like, man, these people have, like, videos made up with, like, the stuff that they've done and that they do. And it has, like, you know, shots of them looking cool. You know the prime example of that? David Flair. Yeah. So I would you know, I would just see stuff and like be like, Oh my god, like that that's just that's just really cool. And I think used to think like lots of them were just like they looked really nice, they were very visually appealing, they worked very well for me as a as a young person that didn't know that they were almost definitely attention deficient <laughs> um and like i was just thought like that's so cool and in one of those things that you do when you're curious like man i'd like to have something like that one day <laughs> like there are like a lot of video editors who are like like it's a shame that wwe doesn't really use like uh entrance videos like that anymore no. it's mainly oh, just like a it's oh, mainly just like a big 3d graphic oh, 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 oh we gotta we gotta talk about that can i can i can i uh, i hate it i hate it so much you have no idea you have no idea like like i honestly it honestly like i was like i was so <laughs> You could have like put a you could have fried an egg on my head when Stone Cold Steve Austin came back for his final final proper match last WrestleMania and they didn't have the proper like the proper like graphics it was just a generic like Stone Cold Steve Austin graphic Stone Cold Was it just like a skull or something Yeah or something and I was so infuriated as a matter this, of this, this is a thing that i've spoken about before and which is it annoys me that wwe doesn't put as much effort or focus into its videos or its um entrance music now because i feel like they're so important in building a character because could you imagine if eddie guerrero's titantron fun fact that's a term wwe don't like people using anymore so Watch weird. Um, could you imagine if his entrance video, shall we say, was just a static gra- like a moving graphic of just the his name of just Eddie Guerrero? No, nah, I that's just I don't like that. of them alike now, but like I remember specifically that they have all this. Okay, <laughs> this is a whole separate thing. I've now gotten into on a tangent from a tangent. <laughs> Do you remember there was that thing where, like, with wrestlers before, whenever they had their entrance videos, they'd be in, like, that room that had, like, the lights? Yes! Yes, yes. I remember that. L- like, like, like those kind of video headshots kind of things. Yeah. Yes, I remember, I specifically remember, that was that was for promotional material for WrestleMania 21, so that would have been 05 when they had the room with the lights. Mm. And, and, but, like, they, it was always this, like, specific space that they always had wrestlers in where they'd just be, like, doing poses and stuff. Mm. Yeah. And, and there's like, one... Like... Go ahead. 
Oh, uh, there's like one shot I think I remember seeing in like Eddie Guerrero's uh, entrance video of like him in that room and just like a silhouette of him in front of the lights. Like that's yeah. kind of like ingrained in my head. Mm. If he didn't, if he didn't have that, and it was just like cursive text saying Eddie Guerrero in front of like flames, which they pretty much did in 2K22, that would be disappointing. Oh, it would be in Comic Sans as well. No, it wouldn't be, would be, would be Comic Sans, but it has to be the most, like, blocky Sans Serif font, and the only the only bit of formatting you get is, like, it's allowed to, like, lean to one side. It's safe to say <laughs> that entrance videos are, are a lost art form, I get it, not just in WWE, but it seems that that mentality has also kind of been taken over into AEW as well. Well, mm-hmm. be, it, be it that the only... There's a little bit more effort put in AEWs, but there's still not that... um... Well, the only entrance video that I can directly recall from AEW is Hangman's. True. I mean, FTR's as well as a special place in my heart as well. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, that's the only one I can specifically recall in my Mm. head. But, yeah, it is sadly quite a... Maybe, maybe it is a lost art now. It would absolutely. I just, I just rewatched the. Um, I just rewatched the one you were talking about, David, the Eddie Guerrero one. Yeah. God, it's so hype. It's so good. It's so, it, but like, it adds, it adds a feeling though. It adds like, it adds character. Exactly, it does. Like, not only is entrance music like key to like building a character, but like having like a visual to go with it of like. A highlight of all, like all their moves or like their poses and stuff that's that's definitely something to help build them and like form their personality and no not a bronze augmented reality roman reigns is a good replacement for that the the mecha roman yeah it was also like um sometimes they put in like footage of them like not in the ring as well Oh yeah. They just, they just put in like footage of like them just like pretending to do people stuff. So like basically <laughs> I think it was splicing vignettes of their arrival stuff they would put into the entrance videos. Like yeah. prime example, Carlito, um, Kofi Kingston, um, as well, where they would pop their like vignette spots into the entrance videos as well. It's just again, lost art form, man. Lost art Which, form. It is a lost art form, but this is why I love some of the like video editors that are out there. Like yes. if I could like name if I could name a few, like there's like Tiger Style Pro, Yep, Rev, Cheese, mm. like some of the other like Deadlock editors. Like they've made some like really good like wrestling music videos uh, based around certain wrestlers. There was one, I think it was like the day that CM Punk came back last year. Uh there's like a Ring of Honor based um music video set to his um afi song yeah yeah i think i think one of them also made a best friends music video set to my friends over you by newfound glory mm-hmm. which is so perfect <laughs> um, shout outs to all three of them that you just mentioned david because they are blooming good at what they do <laughs> they they really are and also may I just say have... your jamie hater mv as well Mwah. i was i was about to say like if it wasn't for them i would not have gotten the um the inspiration to make that um just a quick little side for that if you guys want quick little plug sorry guys <laughs> um if you wanted to watch that i have it pinned to my twitter and it's also on youtube i i made like a little 
AMV of Jamie Hader's like best moves and poses and stuff. And I have it set to uh, this really good K-pop song that I really got into at the time. So, this is, and that's half the reason why I, when I tend to do projects as well, or when I get um, asked to do them, is I follow that very similar style of how I used to love um, entrance videos. It's half the reason why the John Moxley video went down really well when I did the title sequence for Joseph's Mox video and the most recent one I did for him, which was the Crush Gals title sequence as well. Um, it just seems to go down really well because it's just, well, I'm just following the same thing that these guys were doing several years ago, which was just, you know, the best moves and time it as well as you possibly can to the music. <laughs> Definitely. And it's all it's all about timing too and like, just being very precise. Like, I think that's, that's something that I really like look at when it comes to editing. I'll always try to make my timing or certain things perfect. I guess I'm just a little too much of a perfectionist <laughs> when it comes to that. Oh, so if it, me it and you both. Done, it has to be done. Yeah. It has to be done. <laughs> you have any idea how I've, how many videos have lived and died by a single frame? Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. So, live by the frames, you die by die the frames. Die by the frames. <laughs> too real. Honestly, too real. Oh, there's a reason why so many editors suffer from dry eye. But <laughs> Look, Sometimes you need an outside observer to tell you how it is. That is, <laughs> that is for true. So, my first uh first moment where it made me go huh i wonder how they did that you're gonna laugh uh but it genuinely was the <laughs> the wrestlemania promo uh the wrestlemania 14 promo with undertaker and kane <laughs> ah, fair enough fair enough i mean it was the music it was the build-up to it the splicing of footage paul bearer just going absolutely ape shit and kane going i will set myself on fire i don't know why but i thought for some reason my brain just went to you were just gonna say paul bearer was there <laughs> yeah yeah paul bearer was there <laughs> he was there oh yeah you know the, oh, you know, the music the video the footage spliced in paul bearer was there <laughs> as he always is <laughs> <laughs> and your family's sleeping with the maggots and the worms. <laughs> Don't ask me why, but that was one of the reasons where we go, ah, oh, I wonder how they did that. Little did I know that there was actually, for most of everything we know and love about kind of hype packages and stuff, one man is solely responsible for most of them. <laughs> but we'll get to that man in a moment. So let us start with their golden age of the 1980s yes gentlemen i actually went back and watched old episodes of saturday night's main event tuesday night titans and superstars and one nice. thing i can tell you is this have you ever seen southpaw regional wrestling yes it's basically the same <laughs> <laughs> what i will say though is that there definitely was not an emphasis on what we know as kind of like the modern video editing of modern day wwe it was mostly put towards um graphics to show like lower thirds of wrestlers and to kind of the jazzy what was kind of the norm for 80s style title sequences was stars a lot of stars planets explosions and just a lot of neon crumbs there's so much neon 
So basically what you're telling me is it was some kind of retro project before retro projects existed. Exactly. Basically, the only, the only colour palettes, it seems, that WWF were ever allowed to work with on the graphics were cyan, magenta, yellow, and red. <laughs> I mean, that works. Green at a push, if, and I mean <laughs> if, they could actually tune, fine-tune the green to make it look Good. No, but the green was a luxury in those days. <laughs> Bold shadows as well, I've seen. All of this being said, though, I did get a kick out of watching like some of these old Tuesday Night Titans and the way they edited some of the um, some of the vignettes and skits. Uh, uh, the Mr. Fuji skits as well were oh, no. absolutely highly entertaining my favorite one personally fuji vice which was a pastiche of miami vice where, where him and lord alfred hayes played the role of crockett and tubbs oh boy also uh i've got a couple of a couple of other bits of tuesday night titans that i enjoy terry funk's interview in the in the bar with alfred hayes and vince mcmahon and of course the one that has been seen constantly on youtube is dr d david schultz firing a shotgun in the studio and genuinely making vince mcmahon pissed off (laughs) (laughs) it's just like yeah that gun's empty it goes off and just you could see vince absolutely go ballistic going you stupid idiot (laughs) (laughs) this is why uh I don't know if you know about this. Uh, there's a thing called uh, check twice. <laughs> <laughs> so you're absolutely sure that the uh, the thing you have uh, is not loaded. <laughs> oh, it's 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 the most. Like I highly recommend if you can find the clip on YouTube, go and watch it because it's just such a nice. It's just such a funny thing to watch, and it's kind of in a way, in a weird way, really funny and nice to see Vince kind of almost be human in a sense as you say he doesn't like to show weakness so the fact that he got jumped with a a loaded gun being fired in studio by the loud bang is it almost humanizes him in a weird way i know humanizing vince mcmahon weird (laughs) that is weird so let us fast knew how much they'd need that in the future Uh-huh. I guess the not gonna hold up. There's <laughs> no, no, it's oh crumbs. It really is. I also actually, funnily enough, watched the very first WrestleMania just as a kind of fun little thing of. I wonder if there was any kind of editing, like big old editing thing they did with it. The only thing I could tell you of the first WrestleMania was very similar ter- in terms of the lower thirds and graphics, in the sense they were kind of bare bones basics, very bold neon colors they did have uh, a very interesting uh title sequence um stars with a kind of you know like a faded kind of shadowed um logo of the wrestlemania kind of swooping in and a kind of mm-hmm. vista of new york and in in kind of like lower thirds with like splices of of wrestling here there and everywhere at madison square garden but not much else little did i know that the actual theme song for WrestleMania 1 was Easy Lover by Phil Collins. <laughs> I did not wow. know that what? until then. <laughs> no, that was the theme song to WrestleMania, was Easy you know, Lover. It's choice. Um, I don't know that it would be my first choice. But, and, you know, and, and, still... and you had Cindy Lauper. 
You had Cindy Lauper at that show. <laughs> Once again, we have. It's incredible how much this podcast is is built of one of the foundational facts of this podcast is how the WWE wasted Cindy Lauper. <laughs> wasted. If you if there's anything that you must know, David, about this podcast is that we are big defenders for Cindy Lauper being finally recognised for the contribution she made to professional wrestling. <laughs> Well, first off, uh, shout out to Phil Collins. He yeah. went really hard. <laughs> he went, he went insanely hard on the Tarzan soundtrack for no reason. But with that being said, I have to agree that Cindy Lauper could have done so much more. Uh, they could have definitely had her like do a song for WrestleMania, but going for Phil Collins instead. Missed opportunity. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, let us fast forward now to 1994. After graduating from Syracuse University, Adam Panucci briefly worked for Major League Baseball Logging Games until he applied for a position advertised by Titan Sports Incorporated. He applied for the job not knowing that actually Titan Sports was the parent company of the World Wrestling Federation and didn't know until he got to the waiting room for his interview and saw on the coffee desk copies of WWF magazine. His words were, and I quote directly, Oh my god, is this what I think it is? <laughs> oh, incredible. But, I don't know why, but something about that kind of then also specifies that he thought it was distinctly something else <laughs> so he went in being like okay probably just like some kind of sports job walks in oh my god it's the it's the wwf he was me and thinking then... he was probably thinking it was the wbf <laughs> god gary stridham Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you guys, we're still going to have to do a an episode of the WBF. Once, I guess once we get the XFL episode done. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see where we end up. <laughs> but no, he ended up getting a job starting off as a production assistant. And ended up eventually kind of accruing a lot more of experience uh, working, uh, being a production runner for live shows such as Raw and Superstars and the like. And eventually he would end up uh, in a, within a few years producing taped editions of Raw and um, eventually ended up getting a job, a very cushy job, uh, producing post-production hype packages. Now at this time, uh, before 94, the introduction of vignettes or hype up videos was only a very was a very novel concept within WWF and not really kind of edited how we know them as they basically were kind of like recap videos in the lead up to a, a big brawl or a big match feel. Um, the best example I can give you is the one is the rivalry between Bret Hart and Bob Backlund, where basically, rather than it just being a, a hype video chronicling up to the submission match for the WWF Championship at Survivor Series, it was basically just, here's where Bob Backlund's mind snapped. Here's when he started applying the cross-faced chicken wing on everybody. Here's where he challenged Bret Hart for the WWF title. And this is what leads us to Survivor Series. 
So as you said, more recappy than usual. But once the um, Panucci got within the post-production side of WWF, then we started seeing a lot more edit like the way we kind of now know it as mu a backing music kind of build up the drama and tension the best moments and spoken words between the both competitors leading up to the match the moments where we saw the the baby face in peril and the heel get the one up on them eventually of course leading to the match that we have at the pay-per-view it was panucci that was directly giving do going in that direction of giving it more of a structure and story to kind of build the drama and tension up for viewers at home to be you know invested in the match because you know that's what editing's all about making people invested in one thing <laughs> so it wasn't really until the late 90s with the introduction of of course the, the attitude era coming much into more prominence where the style became a lot more prominent uh, as a matter of fact, I think it's from a direct quote from the article in an interview he had. The approach that he was um, told to by producers and higher-ups in the WWE was a simple one. Hit you in the face, get over the characters, get over the storylines, but be quick about it. <laughs> he didn't want to bog viewers down with exposition, he just wanted them in the arena where the action was. And that is where we get the introduction more of uh, the pacing, the pacing quicking up, filters, uh, editing tricks being used, and of course, as I've gone over, music and the best parts of the rivalry leading up to the match, um, going into becoming more of the norm within the company. Yeah, so I think that's a good formula. So basically, before I go on. My question is to you, ch uh, you chaps, how familiar are we with Adam Panucci? <laughs> so this is going to be one of the, this is going to be one of those cases where I have probably consumed so much of this person's work over my life and never noticed it. Mm. I'm in the same I'm in the same boat there. Like I'm pretty sure I've seen a lot of his work as well, but never really put a name or like a face to it. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> For all intents and purposes, his his reasoning for that is he wanted to kind of be become a more of a of a silent contributor to the company and not actually have a more kind well, not have a front facing role because he didn't want to bring attention to himself. He'd rather do be that for the the people in the ring rather than himself, which is a shame because I think for people who you know what it's it's very similar to. I mean, we talk about, I've talked about it for the past couple of weeks since these videos have come out, the, the H-Bomber Guy oof video and the Defunct Land Disney Channel theme video. Unless we really investigate or people really go out there and say, hey, I've done this, we never truly know who's done these truly iconic things and ne we can never give them the opportunity to give them their plaudits for producing such amazing work no, or such very, iconic very work. True. I mean, obviously talking about those two videos... <clears throat> it's quite incredible to think about the amount of people that have contributed to things that we love that we never know that they did because they simply existed within massive corporations exactly you know, exactly they were just people doing a job that they were being told to do and like you know doing it and just never getting noticed for it exactly exactly so do you want to know that i believe two of um Adam's greatest contributions during the Attitude Era were the SmackDown and Raw is War openings. Oh my god. 
he was he apparently he he wasn't directly responsible but he and his post-production team were the ones that came up with those and man oh god did he knock it out of the park with the pair of them those are like some all-time show intros and those are like really good ways to like really reel somebody in like get excited for the show as a matter of fact for the roar is war in 97 the opening that you he was the one i believe that came up with them using hey can we use the beautiful people by marilyn manson wow <laughs> only used it's it wow. for three it was on the pulse of the time he only, oh, it was only used for three episodes of roar is war but if you go back and watch it that it's on youtube those if you can find them but he was right because they are quite that that introduction with that song is quite hype but of course fawn in your eye is also a, a bloody is a bloody good song as well for all and then of course there's smackdown which now i can't help but think here not here um you want to play 21 uh, god damn you matthew <laughs> I got 22. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that SmackDown opening as well is, is just, oh. Again, just uh, such, so good. And again, following the credo of make it fast, make it in your face. <laughs> again, it, I have to stress, it's very, very good that you know, you are able to, well, these things are good when you're able to be able to capture someone's attention <laughs> and fast dynamic imagery does that exactly. humans are in fact an evolved species but we do like when things like move in front of us a lot <laughs> talking of music that he's always wanted to use in promo packages a fun little story that comes from a wired article um back in 2014 that uh, like profiles adam panucci for the longest time he wanted to use the song hate me now by nas and he just couldn't oh. find the promo or the vignette or the storyline to actually use it. Up until WrestleMania 27, when he finally got the Jesus. chance to use it with on The Miz. <laughs> wow. That man just knew what he had and was just waiting to pull the trigger. Can you imagine sitting on an idea for that long <laughs> and that is why gentlemen he is now the senior vice president of domestic and international television at wwe that is one of the best executive decisions i ever heard from any company frankly <laughs> but he it's is all also... because of that mostly because of that i'd say but he's also one of the reasons why we hear a lot of licensed music uh, quickly and kind of more getting more used within hype packages and uh, and vignettes. Um, of course, I would say probably his pièce de résistance in during the Attitude Era would probably be the closing of the Attitude Era, which was of course the My Way package video. <laughs> Oh, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. His Mona Lisa. <laughs> Literally the like the the go the best the icon like i went out of my way to rewatch that video package because i was thinking like like what's like the what is like the like number one thing like with video editing when it comes to wrestling and it always comes back to the my way wrestlemania 17 video package I 
It's become, it's, I think it's become like a rite of passage for every kind of like uh, wrestling music video creator to at least at one point go back to that, that video. I agree. Like, I'm pretty sure that on Twitter, I think it was like the crazy moments in new metal, like Twitter account, yeah. they posted the, the video for that. And I'm like, you're right. This was a big moment. The moment even. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Again, we, have, we have to mention the absolute cultural grip that new metal had over wrestling. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but also then consequentially the absolute grip that new metal had on popular culture. Yeah, because yeah. I mean I hate to say it, there was a time <laughs> there was a time where Limp Biscuit was actually a really popular band. <laughs> yeah, I say this to people and they look at me like I'm strange. Um I mean the only, we all only, the oh, only gotta... thing for me is it makes me think of the the like the possibility where everything diverged the other way. Mm. Mm. New metal became popular, and then wrestling for some reason just got ever increasingly and like deeply entrenched into metal. <laughs> That's an interesting one. It could have happened. I think. I think um, Woodstock '99 killed that idea forever. Oh no! <laughs> it could have happened if Woods if they pulled it off with Woodstock '99. Who knows? But like again, though, we talk about how all these different like things are involved in. Then we talk about a guy who did a pro <laughs> did a promo using Limp Biscuit and then sat on a promo idea. For that long using Nas, and the only thing I have to say to that is, how do you reckon he felt knowing the knowing the match that it ended up leading to? I wonder if there has been a lot of times where Adam's gone. How in the hell am I gonna try and save this? And yeah. it always feels like post production always have a hard job trying to fight against production in w in modern day WWE as of late. Like it's all, well up until of course Vince retired, but it always felt as if okay, post production now I've got to try and salvage this to make it actually seem like this like this gives a damn. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like how many silk purses have these people made out of sow's ears? Like. It makes you wonder. Well, again, though, right? Because you guys are the editors here, okay? If you were an editor and you received Kevin Dunn directed video, what would you do? Well, quit. I would quit. I would throw it. I would throw it back in Kevin's face and go, "Wait, you've had how many decades of experience?" And this is what you came to come up with. <laughs> you do and you do this. And you do this. I I don't know. I don't know. There was a time, and it's not nostalgia, because I like don't don't say it's nostalgia. I have watched it back. <laughs> there was a time when production and when production and post-production were perfectly in sync. <laughs> like there was a time and then the era of, of done rips that apart <laughs> just an absolute massacre only I... yeah only the fact is that they have they still have the footage so it's like okay we can just not cut like this and then they didn't and then we had good promos i think that is literally the easiest the easiest solution. 
like the easiest reasoning of some why. How will the impact of this move get over if I don't cut six times in a second? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Little do we know, or like, how somehow, by some miracle, Adam and the post-production team always seem to make it work. Even though I imagine it is a lot of hours in an editing room pulling at your hair going, if only we just had an extra frame here, it would be okay. But Kevin just had to cut from camera four to camera two in that moment. <laughs> I would hope... I would hope that maybe they would have additional footage uh, I, from like those past, like like of those different like camera angles. Like maybe they can pull from that and be able to, you know, make it seem like a watchable product. But the fact, <laughs> you'd hope the fact that I I would really yeah and just grasping at straws here. But also the fact that Kevin Dunn just like really relies on these like constant like camera cuts and like different like nauseating like camera movements it's like it's unwatchable at some points mm. <laughs> exactly exactly i think one big thing for adam after that my way promo is that of course wrestling as we know it was never the same after the acquisition of wcw and ecw from wwf yeah. but one thing that mm. was a absolute boon and a get for adam's adam and the post-production team a entire library of archive footage to now use in promo packages <laughs> and one thing i've, I've <laughs> one funny little thing i found in the wired article about adam and i went back and watched it is that one left field thing he did during this time was of course was uh, was of course the invasion pay per view, and in the opening pay per view uh, promo video, he ended up and I kid you not, he actually ended up <laughs> using grainy footage of <laughs> FDR, General Patton, and Joseph Stalin to promote the feud. <laughs> but... Oh my god! <laughs> That's something I, that is something I do think about, like the sheer depth and breadth of the of the like the library of footage thanks to the acquisitions that WWE has made over the years. That mm. must be I would be this is where like I like my my editing nerve comes full of I would be fascinated to see what the archive will like how do they do that? That's so there is, much there is, there is a thing I know of which will make you cry. Oh, which no. is that there is a thing that they literally have like so much tape they haven't been even been able to archive yet. Yeah. For the love of God, don't pull a Doctor Who. You're going to need that footage. You think you don't? You will. Look, no, we're like, need... they, 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 they have it all, and it's being stored like properly. It's just they don't. There's just so much of it. <laughs> that they haven't been able to process it for archiving yet. <laughs> Listen, we're going to need to have that Tom McGee Hall of Fame video package sooner rather than later, so don't get rid of Tom McGee's match because, against Bret Hart. Because it, it's that it's that thing of when you think of the amount of the territories that they absorbed, but also things like there's an entire archive of um, FCW stuff Yep. that's yep. not available in any official means. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, like, you happen to buy, like, DVDs that I think were released about 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, 
you have a bunch of archive stuff from when they did crossovers with other companies in like the early 2000s for development. You have a whole bunch of stuff that's literally just sitting there. They have so much footage they cannot process it all. I'd be in my element, honestly. <laughs> you just be there watching, like, um, North Atlantic Championship Wrestling um, TV taping date uh, the 1st of August 1965. Don't call me out like this, Dan. <laughs> I already had David yeah. calling me out this episode earlier. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, it's it's crazy how much, like, you think, hey, can I pull an old clip of, say, Bret Hart from Stampede? And then you'll be like, oh, wait, no, yes, I can, actually. Thank you very much. I think that is what has made Adam's work on all of the Hall of Fame video packages all the more better. And this is the segment where I'm going to talk about his influence on those packages. As a matter of fact... I've a lot of people, and the fact that he even got plaudits during um his uh during his speech was the Stone Cold Steve Austin Hall of Fame video uh package. Uh, as everyone knows, the one to cult of personality. That's a great <laughs> package. That's a great like truly two people who are meant to be together. Those two men. Oh my god. It was great. So, like, and and as I said, went down so well that even Steve Austin, in his speech, thanked Adam Panucci for always providing good video packages for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so with this, with this final little section here, let us talk about some of our favourite video or post-production video packages vignettes anything that has involved post-production or indeed the post-production prowess of adam panucci what are some of our favorites within the history of wwe if i if you allow me to start may i just say a promo package that never gets talked about as often as it should kurt angle's 2003 return set to clocks yeah. by coldplay oh oh my god i've I it, need to actually it, go back and watch that. If it wasn't for that song being burned into my brain for all the wrong reasons, I would be here in like f complete full agreement for you. But because of a specific personal reason, I cannot. Fair enough. Fair enough. For anyone that's British and of a certain age, you'll know why the song Clocks is burned into your brain for the wrong yep. reason. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what are some of your favourites, chaps? We'll just go round the table, then they come to your mind, just shout it out. Okay, um... It's very specifically the the Raw... The Raw 2000 and... I want to say 2002 to 6 opening? Yes. The, oh, the, across the, the nation, yes. Yes, the which is just... I honestly... Which is just, honestly, this is my favourite opening, just hands down of course maybe may, may i just quote john blood here now get the guns the drugs drugs from my generation <laughs> and then he, and and then you know the greatest 
switching music ever made. Just yeah, yes. It's just the hypest thing in the world. Um, there are two. There are two WrestleMania packages that I've always really liked. One because I it really sold it, and two it made it it like they had the hardest job. Mm. So one I really like. I actually really like the the package they did for um, the WrestleMania Thirty Undertaker Brock Lesnar match. Yes. I really like what they do for it, as they as having basically the great the, the great narration about how no, like a, a a human being cannot beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania. It is impossible. <laughs> However, <laughs> Brock Lesnar is built different, and therefore, if that is basically what it goes for, and then the other one. The other, another Undertaker package. They love the packages of Undertaker. Yeah. Um, CM Punk's one. CM yeah. Punk's one with the with the twenty one and one with the with the the X fist is so cool. It's just so cool. And, and I will admit, I will admit, um, I have a little bit of slight nostalgia because that is the first time where I actually heard the the concept of someone being like of of. Being the one in X and one, that is the one that is. I don't know if it's. I don't think that's the one. That's the uh, few that invented it, but that's the one that I think of the most. Yeah. Like that's definitely the feud where they pushed that concept like the most, as far as I remember. Mm. And I remember really liking that storyline that they were going for. I think they did all of that within like a month, mm. like Punk and Taker, because that's when. Yeah, the fact that they were able to get, like, you know, a compelling story, like, within, like, a month's worth of TV is really good. Uh, because, like, there's the whole thing with Punk, like, messing around with Paul Bear's urn. And then, of course, you know, pouring it on Undertaker and on himself, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good stuff. Such good stuff. Oh, how could I not talk about this and not talk about Monster from WrestleMania 30 as well? Oh, yeah. talk about yeah. way to chronicle like the story of Daniel Bryan eventually reaching the apex of the of of the company in such an amazing video package. Oh. <laughs> if there's any is if there's anything that Adam has done that has come as close to my way, I think that may have been the closest he's ever come to my way. It's so emotional and so good. And I think just it helps. I think it helps that just Brian's the greatest of all time there. I said, <laughs> no, 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 you're right. You're right. Talk, you're talking. It, 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 it certainly helped a little in that regard. It's, it's one that I still hold. In, it, it's one I still hold in very high regard and it's nearly 10 years old and that scares me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know. Um, oh, how can we forget as well? Uh, the two thousand and three SmackDown intro as well. You know, it's been a long term. Yeah, come oh, on, yeah. come on. <laughs> that's an all timer. Um, that's an all timer intro. Like every time, whenever I boot up, here comes the pain. Yes, um, like that's always the first thing that I see. I never skip it because that song just gets me so hyped and just like the video paired with it 
if that Perfect. was Adam's decision to use like background B-roll as well of them backstage mm. kudos to you Adam that was a bloody good decision the guy has a, <laughs> the guy has a mind to creative choices <laughs> oh, I man. mean so for me for me to throw in some of mine uh, I obviously or at least obvious for me, I have to go Triple H versus Cactus Jack, Royal Rumble 2000, because... yeah. <laughs> fucking good. And <laughs> it's amazing when everything else around something supports an idea so consistently, because, man, as a wrestler, Mick Foley is great at getting you to feel sorry for him. Yes. Oh, I agree. Like, when it comes to getting sympathy, like, you just kind of have to. You just do. Mm. And everything about this is just, like, done to just elicit that feeling even more. Yeah. And so, like, as much as it's, like, a little bit over the top, almost, it just works perfectly. Mm. Like, it, it is... It is genuinely brilliant. One that I do want to talk about, and I know this is going to sound strange, <laughs> but it's only because I remember it so specifically. Uh, they did an Undertaker Shawn Michaels package. Mm. Not for 25, but for 26. Mm. Mm. I was just thinking about that And it was too. set to this weird cover of Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush. Oh, it's yeah. the placebo, it was the placebo cover, if memory serves yeah. me correct. Now, disregarding that, that song existing, <laughs> specifically the placebo cover, Kate Bush is incredible, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Kate Bush now and always. Yeah. Um, I always just kind of really like this because it's a really interesting take on just kind of the A to B recap mm. package. Because all it is, is it's just saying like, hey, here's what happened before and here's where we are now. But so I don't know. Something about it just sticks in my head so specifically. You know what it is? You know what it is? Because I, I know exactly which package you're talking about. And I can tell you why. It's it's legitimately the footage that they use. Yeah. Because, because it's like, it's not only this. I'm, I'm going to get people screaming at us like okay, normally normally i do not get into the whole digital versus film debate mm. i don't do it it's a losing <laughs> battle for numerous reasons however i will say the very specific like film like actual like film footage that they got of sean michaels it's it's just of the best and most incredible high quality mm. you could possibly get, yeah. and that and that spliced in with the regular TV, that is what does it. That is legitimately what does it. When you go back and you watch it, you will you will be able to tell, and it is so good. It's so good. <laughs> it yeah. is an all. It, that is an all timer as well. It is an all timer. <laughs> Very good video package. Um, another one that I was just thinking about right now, as as absurd as it is for like the story, but the like hype package for Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero at SummerSlam 2005. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I was just rewatching that back now. Like 
there isn't any like licensed music for it, but there's like just like a dramatic orchestra and just like the kind of like dramatic music they were using in the background just to really, uh, I guess, add some more intensity to this already crazy story. Because like Eddie's just going through the whole thing where he wants to talk about his little bedtime story for Dominic. And I think they had a match at the Great American Bash where if Eddie wins, he gets to finish his story, I guess. And of course he lost. And then they include a clip of Eddie saying, you know, I said I wasn't going to finish the story, but guess what, Ray? I lied. And then he gives a big reveal of like, I'm really your father, Dominic. And then there's like this like really like heartfelt bit afterwards where Ray is just all like, um, Dominic is my son. The first word to come out of his mouth was dad. He called me dad. Like in the moment of like that kind of video package, it's just, I don't know, like as absurd as the story is of them fighting over the custody of a child, making it like a bit. <laughs> don't worry about it. This is wrestling. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was like a good way of like trying to show just how much like this matters to both wrestlers and splicing in like quotes from them going back and forth. Uh, I was like, no, like this is my son. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's. It's very, it's very weird, but in a way, it really sets the tone of like how important this match is going into it. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Shout outs to one, what more one of um Adam's more recent kind of package. Well, if you want to call it recent, I think his work with the de- like main roster debut of Bray Wyatt was awesome. Just the oh, setup yes. of him being like this, this, this backwards Bayou cult leader was just amazing. Fun fact: it was actually Bray that approached Adam for the music that would eventually be his theme music, because he, because fa- Bray found that song on a royalty-free music site, and and uh, WWE bought the rights to it. <laughs> <laughs> But this, but this is the thing, though. That's what you have when you have someone that has that kind of creative mind. Because it is absolutely unreal to think that a guy from... a Like, if you think about the access of money that WWE have to stuff, mm. that they could probably just... they you know, They're probably signed to an infinite amount of corporate stock libraries. <laughs> yep. Because, you know, sometimes you just need, like background sound for something sometimes you just need like basic stuff for something and you know this is all stuff that's like made professionally and curated and whatever and he just found a track from some guy that he just was like i'll put on a i'll put on like a royalty free access that no other person in that same situation would have found hmm and it and it became so important to this character, and I love it as a piece of character building <laughs> because it it's just so it just fits the vibe of Bray. Exactly. You know, the original direction for the production and post production for Bray was going to be just basically make it a how we made the Waylon Mercy vignettes. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that Adam and Bray went. 
Nah. Because <laughs> <laughs> could you have imagined that? Mystical I mean... Swamp Man is the way. Exactly. <laughs> As it should be. I feel like in terms of promos and vignettes, they certainly have become a lot, like, especially when it's in like the mid 2000s onwards they had become a lot better than they once were i mean of course when we talk about vignettes you can't help but talk about chris jericho's um regardless of whether it was his debut with the millennium clock countdown his return with the uh with the jericho or the code stuff which i think as as read and rightfully put it the best return he ever did then there was that really weird one where it was the end of the world that involved the children <laughs> Do you remember that one in 2012? I remember that so well. (laughs) I think there was like, there's like these video packages of like this kid, like in a classroom or in a park. And the kids just all like, it's the end of the world as you know it. And then then this little girl like whispers in his ear and he's all like, she has spoken. (laughs) It's time. (laughs) I think um what i remember i think there's some dirt sheet stuff at the time i think they were gonna have stephanie mcmahon come back with chris jericho (laughs) which (laughs) yeah yeah so i think that's where the whole she has spoken thing was like supposed to be like i think that's how they were supposed to bring in stephanie but i guess they scrapped that idea (laughs) oh break of stephanie that's what a i want to I do want to check out what that world looks like. <laughs> to re- rehash a storyline <clears throat> from 2002 as well, of all things, 10 years later with that, that would have been... I don't know if I would have been on board for that, to be quite honest. I think there's like a... There are a lot of loopholes that they would have to like jump through to try to make it make sense. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If there's one thing that wrestling can do, though, it's completely defy logic. Oh, yes. <laughs> they probably would have said, like, they probably would have, like, tried to rewrite history and be all like, oh, Chris Jericho is Stephanie McMahon's greatest client, and she <laughs> is the one that's going to bring down this rebel known as CM Punk, or who's trying to defy everything that wwe stands for (laughs) when in reality uh chris jericho was just the third wheel for the triple h and stephanie feud he really (laughs) was he really really was oh it sucks because he was the undisputed champion at the time too exactly exactly it's such a yeah good thing that that chris kind of went nah not really (laughs) instead they went for the they went for the whole best in the world versus best in the world thing, which I was kind of on board for. I really liked hmm. that. Exactly, exactly. Talk about, talking about, as we've talked about Adam through this whole thing and talking about some of our favorite things, <laughs> the, the, the Team Hell No packages that Adam oh. personally directed as well. <laughs> Is that when they were doing... Um... Was it like anger management with yes. was it Dr. Shelby or something yes. like that? And when they were doing Those... the When Harry Met Sally uh, pastiche at the restaurants. <laughs> and it was Mae Young that said, I'll have what they're having. If in doubt, Mae Young. 
You damn right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's for true, for true. <laughs> Gosh, what are some of like other? Can you chaps think of any other kind of like promo packages? Like, well, I have, like I that? have, I have, I have one more. Oh, which is which is the the CM Punk? Do I have your attention now? <sighs> yes, oh, that's that's a, yeah, because. I well, I really like this because basically the first minute it's just it's just set to CM Punk talking. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't really require much else. Obviously, they go in, they put more stuff in, and they obviously have like the thing at the start, which is like this is. I mean, I believe it says this is a message by CM Punk. Mm. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or something to that effect. But like, I, I like the that. effect of like dressing it up in the feeling of like you know this is a scheduled broadcast. Mm, yeah, like a real do not adjust your set. But if listen, if you want, if you want to get editors, if you want to get editors hyped, just do a do not adjust your set type promo. Everyone was likes them. Oh, Crumbs is not wrong. He's not wrong. We are so easy for him. It's kind of, it's kind of sad, but we all love them. They're just the best. He's not wrong. Yeah, like it, it, it has, it has like that first minute. Then obviously afterwards, it goes to um, <clears throat> bring some music in. But again, basically, it's just recounting the um, the pipe bomb promo. Mm. But now you just have like obviously like the footage of stuff happening and all of that coming with it to then getting to that point of you know the end yeah. of said promo. And just kind of finishing it off with like using the static and everything. You, you know what? Actually, before we before it, like a recent one, I should we should count the Firefly Funhouse matches, it right? I reckon. I reckon we can. Oh. Cinematic matches. I think we could possibly count them in. Very, very specifically thinking of of the of that one because that one is very deliberate. And greatly well, so think, it's kind we of can, footage. I think we can also say, like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe this is just between us. It's probably the best of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because we're not going to hold... It's the one that has deliberate creative intention. Because <laughs> we're never going to hold one final beat to the same regard as the Firefly Funhouse now. No, but that's, be but that's because one final beat is excessive and gaudy in the wrong way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Firefly Funhouse is both is yes excessive, but it's excessive on purpose. And I know I'm gonna sound like the biggest film bro prick saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but like I have to stress that sometimes things when things are done to an almost annoying degree, that is on purpose and there is intention behind it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a certain direction that they're going for and they want you to um you know, pick up on what it is that they're trying to do. And Firefly Funhouse stuff was so, so good. <laughs> yep, yep. I remember... Sorry, go ahead. Like, oh, I remember, like, the first Firefly Funhouse thing that came out when Bray came back as, like, this almost, like, Mr. Rogers-type character. Yeah. Like, I wasn't sure about it at first, Um, like, initially watching it. I'm like... Where is this going? What are they doing? And then I think that's when he like he first wore like the hurt heel gloves on his hands. Yep. I'm like, oh, this is gonna have like, don't hug me, I'm scared kind of vibes, aren't? Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's gonna have a dark turn to it. And then of course we got 
the fiend out of that. <laughs> and we got John Blood's love for Bray Wyatt going through the roof. <laughs> I, you know what? I, you know what? I'm just gonna say it. I'm just gonna say it. The Firefly Funhouse match gave us John Cena in Peacemaker, and for that, it is it is objectively the best. <laughs> Where I agree. is the lie? Where is the lie? There is no lie, that's the point. <laughs> I mean, folks, where's the lie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All we can say, I think we're talking about all of this stuff, is give and take the bad, the good, the even worse that the company has done funnily enough the day after wrestlemania 17 which i joke but when you really look back and watch it you realize that it immediately went down a little downhill after the the night after wrestlemania 17 one thing has always remained true is that the post-production team will still know how to make a bloody good pack video package that is so true <laughs> like they are like the post-production team are they are the unsung heroes of wrestling like they can i think i've said it before that like they can make a month's worth of bad tv look good with how you can splice in like certain promo lines or like moves or certain things that happen just to get you excited for like a pay-per-view match or something big that's about to happen Exactly. They made Scott Steiner versus Triple H at No Way Out 2003 look exciting. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say, to, like, if this is a chance for at any point of any wrestling fan to get on a platform and say, thank you, Adam Panucci, this is the time for me to say it. Thank you, Adam. Mm -hmm. Your years of service in the WWE have provided many a video editor with the inspiration to go out and try and do the exact same thing. And for that... We will always, always salute you, dear sir. Mm -hmm. And if you ask me, do you think that's a good way to end it? <laughs> I think that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, just a, it's a good old thank you to a guy who's pretty much, pretty much defined a lot of people's memories for wrestling with his choice of editing and certain creative choices. Mad respect to him. Absolutely. Well... Before we uh, do and do all of the wrap-up, may I just say one absolute pleasure it has been to have you on, David. Thank you. Thank you for coming on, man. Like, legit, it has been an absolute joy, as I said, as a, as a fellow hog dipper, to have you on. Thank you so, so, so much. Thank you again for having me here. Like, I actually had a really good time doing this. I knew it was going to be fun, like, going in, but it already... It's been solidified. This has been great. Thank you guys again. Oh, oh I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely <laughs> blushing now. <laughs> Thank you, my no. man. Thank no, I'm you. serious. Like, if there's any, like, another time you guys would like to have me on, like, feel free. Like, feel free to reach out. Like, I'd be down to talk about wrestling again anytime oh guys i think i think i think i think we found our second ever returning guest you know <laughs> so david anything you've got coming on social medias um anything you would like to advertise and plug now is the time the stage is yours sir go ahead 
All right, time for a bit more plugging to do. Let's go. <laughs> well, um, you can, of course, you can find me on Twitter at David J underscore Alaniz, uh, A-L-A-N-I-Z. Uh, you'll find, I'll tweet a lot of stuff that I'll be editing or like working on. Um, that'll be half of the stuff that I tweet. The other half, I'm just posting pictures of Kurt Angle or Jamie Hayter. Um, <laughs> you can find uh, my YouTube channel with the, you know, the same at uh, David J underscore Alanese. You'll find all of my dialogue edits. Uh, I did a review of the Roads to the Top show. Uh, I feel like that could use a bit more uh, attention, in it's, my it, opinion. It, it, it deserves a lot more love. I recommend it. It is so much. It's so good that video. <laughs> um, you can also find, uh, of course, the Deadlock Retro Sinks on their Patreon, which is, I believe, it's Patreon.com forward slash Deadlock PW or Deadlock PW forward slash Patreon. Either way. Uh, you'll find the full-length um, edits that I do for them over there. Um, I've also been making uh, short, like, TikTok edits of those videos. And you can, of course, go to TikTok and Instagram and just look up either Deadlock Wrestling or Deadlock PW, and you'll find a lot of the stuff that I'm doing for them over there. I'll pretty much post, like, every other day. I think I actually have a video that's going up on both of those uh, at some point today so nice. definitely check that out yeah um yeah i think that's all that i really wanted to promote there um once again thank you guys for having me on for this and thank you for letting me share what i do and what i enjoy doing as a video editor it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you thank you yet again sir for, for coming on Alrighty, next episode we chaps, we're going to be joined by our good friends over at the Untitled Wrestling Podcasters. We're going to be doing another match focus episode. This time, we're going to do the one that we promised on our very first one. We're going to be reviewing Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 3. I am really hyped to watch this one because it has been a long time. And I'm still wondering if it holds up as well as I as well as it did the uh, the last time I watched it. So I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing if the chaps will be there. All of them will be there. If not, I will still have uh, we'll still have Jay and Troy there. And I know how much Troy intimidates me because he's a big lad who also edits videos. So I'm kind of intimidated by him, if I'm honest. <laughs> big beefy boys who edit videos. <laughs> I wish I was, but I digress. That is coming up on the next episode. But until then, I have been Sam. This has been Ridden, Dan and David. And you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. We will see you, as always, on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you. <laughs>